It's the Goat of Popularity Podcast. And you're back on the Cult of Popularity Podcast, the only cult that does not have a personality test. Although, if you're boring, then maybe. It's probably a good idea, but I mean, if you're born, you don't have a personality. So you're just testing to see if you have one. Yeah, but... But we don't have But we don't have a test. Yeah, but we don't have a test. So you're good. You're good, fam. All right. So we're back. Another episode. What have we got this week? Fortnite. Week, Fortnite. Fortnite week. Fortnite week. We're not talking about Fortnite. Hells no. We never will. No fork knife. Never will. I don't even think it's in the hats. No, it wouldn't be. Anyway, as always, I'm Trent. Oh yeah, and I'm Josh. You always forget that. You're horrible introductions. Oh, I actually am. Like, not, not just from recording a podcast, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm horrible with like, with like other people. Like I'll meet someone, my wife will be standing next to me and she'll be like, uh, so are you going to introduce me to this person? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is my wife. No, nah, I guess that's a bit more passive-aggressive. Liz just kind of, she, she just does it. She'll just be there and she'll be like, oh yeah, and I'm, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, right, yeah. That's, that's my wife. Yeah. Liz, this is... My wife. <laughs> My wife. Yeah, anyway, back on ta- uh, on topic. So this week we are going through the very weird arrangement of topics we've got, which is Naked, Naked Gun, Naked Gun, Tomb Raider. Yep, and then we'll finish off with uh, Invader Zim. Which will be very cool. It is. Invader Zim is very, very cool. But I guess we'll kick her off with Naked Gun. What an absolute... Perler of a movie series. It it is like I definitely I don't think anyone who's watched it and appreciates like that absurd sort of comedy, they're all over it. They love it. They love it. I was actually very surprised at how excited you were excited you were to uh, do this episode because I don't know if people have picked up on this or not. You're not a fan of puns or like wordplay and things like that. Not so much wordplay. I do enjoy good wordplay puns. He has to give me the good cringe, alright? There's a lot of cringe in Naked Gun. There is, but a lot of their humour also comes from sight gags, though, and things like that are happening on the screen as well. Like the With... nice beaver? <laughs> yes, like the beaver. <laughs> so, it's... Yeah, it, I guess it is a little bit contradictory. But, I mean, yeah, it comes with the visual sight gags such. I mean, I love it. Naked Gun, absolutely fantastic. All start off with the TV series Police Squad. Yeah, so Police Squad was the, the sort of, uh, what would we say, the, the embryo or the, the catalyst for the, the, what would eventually become Naked, Naked Gun. Gun. Yeah, because yeah, well, it was made by uh, the David Zucker, Jim Abrahams and Jerry Zucker, brother of David Zucker. I was going to say, it'd be a very big coincidence if they uh, just happen to have happen the same, to, last the same name. name. But yeah, no, um, unfortunately Police Squad had a very short-lived life of six episodes. Almost as many episodes as Firefly. That's a little bit rough. But yes, I think that's actually half the amount of episodes as Firefly. <laughs> yeah, potentially there were 14. I don't think I'm that lucky though. I even handed you a, a Firefly link there. <sighs> well, like it, it is, but it's not. Like, it's not really a link at all. I mean, you do that, you do that with any, any TV show that's cancelled in its first season. But no... Definitely short-lived TV series of only six episodes of Police Squad, but that is where it comes from. Obviously, Lisa Nielsen played the same character, Frank Drebin, uh, in Police Squad, who was then the main character in that gun series. Correct. Um, 
And really, I found a lot of stuff on Police Squad because really, you can't do one without looking at the other. Very true. You can't sort of go through what uh, what's here now, what, what what the end result was without finding out exactly where it came from. Mm. And that is also what the first movie is called, The Naked Gun. Uh, was it Files from the Files of Police Squad? So you know, there throwback. We go. And there's a lot of uh, reused gags and stuff, especially in the first movie from Police Squad as well, which I don't mind because I love Police Squad. Now, one of the stars of all three movies was O.J. Simpson. <laughs> what did you find? You found something about he was a re-envision or like a rework of a character from Police Squad? Yeah, so Frank Drebin... Well, Frank Drebin refers to Officer Nordberg, which is who O.J. Simpson played in the movies, as being his best friend. But originally he was played in Police Squad by Peter Lupus and it was Detective Norberg, not Nordberg. So they dropped the D. They dropped the D and just renamed the character a little bit. But yeah, essentially the same. Meant to be the same character. Just out of curiosity, was Peter Lupus a black ex-football player? Negative. Negative? He, he was not. Was neither of those things? He was... Yeah, neither of those things. Um, cool. I think he was a bit more of a stuntman. I actually did look into him a little bit. He was a bit more of a stuntman. He found prominence in, an, I think... House? Because it's always Lupus. No. No, he was a, no, I'm pretty sure it was Peter Lupus. And he was actually in the Mission Impossible TV series. It's quite Fair popular enough. as well. Actually, like he was pretty much a recurring character. And in one of the seasons, they tried toning his character back a bit. Didn't quite dance too well, and he came back in force with more dialogue and things after that attempt. There you go. Did not know that about Peter Lupus. To be honest, I didn't know who Peter Lupus was until... Yeah, I didn't know that until <laughs> he brought it up. I'm over here trying to act cool. I thought, yeah, yeah, I know Peter Lupus. We go way back. Yeah, me and Pete. Me and Pete go way back. Not quite Old Testament, but still pretty far. You say, I thought you were going to go with some sort of werewolf sort of thing there, although. Like Lupus? Like Lupus, Lupin, yeah. like from the Harry Potter series and things like that as well? Or? Yeah, because, you know, look lycanthropy which is werewolf lupus yeah, yeah yeah that's where that's where I thought you were about to take me nah. take me on that journey nah I went for house because it's always lupus fair enough it's a bit more direct a bit more direct uh, another fun fact is that the great weird Al Yankovic was in all three movies twice as himself in movies one and three and as a like a goon or like an armed robber that was in the police station and Frank Drebin comes bursting through the door and knocks him <laughs> out in the second one Mm. Yeah, apparently uh, Woody Allen's a big fan of, I guess, I think, the, well, Zucker Abraham Zucker, which apparently I saw nearly every age refers to as Zaz. Bit of Razzle Zazzle. Ra- Razzle Zazzle, yeah. Uh, apparently he's a big fan. Uh, he Apparently he's actually stated that they're, I don't know if it was their second film, one of their films they made called Top Secret is actually one of his all-time favourite films. Uh, done after Airplane, but before they did The Naked Gun. That's pretty high praise too, like, Woody Allen's pretty prominent in pop culture, mm. and... Like loves all that sort of stuff. So if he loves your stuff, that's, that's it's, high praise. It's good. So the reason the reason that you were so from what we were talking about before the show, the reason that Police Squad got axed was due to people not being able to follow the site gags potentially. The reason that was cited by the then president of ABC, the network that aired it, uh, Tony Tomopoulos, was that the viewer had to watch it in order to appreciate it. That is Isn't that pretty much every TV show though. You would think so. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a very stupid reason to cancel a TV show. He was more making reference to the fact that there were so many on-screen gags that were happening, called sight gags and everything else, that you actually needed to pay attention to the show, otherwise you would miss a lot of the jokes if you weren't. Which, when you explain it like that, I guess kind of makes sense, but it's still an absolutely stupid reason, and it was actually quoted from... TV Guide? Uh, TV Guide, yeah, that it... 
they listed it as the stupidest reason ever for the cancellation of any TV show, which is understandable. Very understandable. And uh, speaking of high praise, we're sort of touching on it with Weird Al, uh, Matt Groening actually had some high praise for Police Squad as well. So basically it was stating that if Police Squad had been made 20 years later, that it would have been a smash, but it was a bit before its time. So the average viewer back in 1982, when it was at its sort of peak, uh, would have been, I was unable to cope with its pace and the quick-fire jokes. Uh, because these days, people sort of don't have any that much problem catching up because everything's so fast-paced and you're on the ball a bit more. That's it, which is pretty good coming from Mac Raining. Yeah. Yeah, old, uh, obviously, creator of The Simpsons and R.I.P. Futurama. And hopefully soon, R.I.P. Disenchanted. Not a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, look, I didn't get into it. I tried watching it. I think I watched about two or three episodes, and I was just, yeah. Well, I'll give it another crack, but, yeah. Tell you what was very cool that I, th- I thought you found, though, was uh, that Police Squad were actually used in WWE's SummerSlam 1994 mm. to, to locate the then, or to look for the then missing Undertaker. That's right, yeah. Apparently Undertaker had actually gone missing during whichever winter event they had in January of that year. And so, yeah. Leslie Nielsen actually came as Frank Drebin and went around trying to locate The Undertaker. They do love a good Hollywood tie-in. Which was pretty cool. Well, that was what, 1994, so potentially Spruik as well for the third movie. For the third oh. movie, which was, yeah, 33 and the third, which came out in 1994 as well. Yeah. It's a very, uh, very cool series all all like, all the way through. The movies you know, didn't sort of get worse or anything like that. They were all very solid. There's some cool little tie-ins or not so much tie-ins, but characters that were... I didn't realise that were people that were in it that I didn't realise were in it. Like, there's... In the second movie, the actor Richard Griffiths, who plays Dr. Albert S. Meinheimer slash Earl Hacker, is actually... Uh, he's the guy, the actor that plays Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter movies, which is Harry Potter's asshole of an uncle. <laughs> that's, that's right. I remember you telling me that, and who do I think you were actually trying to tell me about? His cousin? No, you were like... Serious or someone like that. Serious player. Yeah, she said his uncle. That's his right. Uncle, and I was like, serious. I was like, Gary Oldman is not in these movies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got a little confused and made a lot more sense when I realised which hunk you were talking about. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, well, that's a it's heavy thing that um, Zaz incorporated into a, a lot of their films was the cameos, as seen heavily in Airplane as well. Or Flying High, as it's correctly titled here in Australia. Hmm. Airplane is a stupid name for a movie. It is. But it's not. I mean, it, I mean, it's also correct. It does what the it says thing, on the label. It, it, yeah, exactly. does exactly what it says on the label. <laughs> Which was cool. Um, but, I mean, Airplane was obviously, like, massive hit for them. Like, that was huge. I think Airplane, I read, was... as a British, like, you know, some survey, best comedic movies. Actually came in second to Monty Python's The Life of Brian. That's very impressive. Yeah. Also... I was a big fan of Airplane, though. Uh, That's one of the movies I watched as a kid that my dad showed me when I was very young. And it obviously didn't get a lot of the gags because there were a lot of adult gags. There are. But as I got older and watched it again, I was like, man, that's awesome. Mm. I guess, that also reminds me, I guess, the pun thing, going back to the pun thing, they're not the same as normal puns. Like, I think the, obviously the most quote line, which... Leslie Nielsen says was when they say surely you can't be serious yeah I am serious and don't call me Shirley yeah like yes it's a pun but it's not it's it's wordplay wordplay doesn't annoy me as much as a pun to be fair you ain't like bad you don't need dislike bad puns yeah but yeah um, yeah apparently Leslie Nielsen didn't realise when he delivered that line it was going to be as huge as it was as well he was like people come up quoting it to him and stuff 
And there's also Airplane, which launched his comedic career. There you go. And something very interesting about Leslie Nielsen was the fact that he was actually legally deaf from the majority of his life. Yeah, I didn't realise as well. Because you never notice him wearing hearing aids or anything like in anything you see him acting in. So whether or not he just, just took them out and acted without them. Which could actually lead to the reason why... It's part of the reason he got chosen for like Police Squad Naked Gun was the fact that he could remain oblivious, I guess, to what was going on around him and still keep his like deadpan. Which, if you can't hear shit, yeah. makes that very easy. Correct. So, potentially, that was to, to his to his benefit. Uh, but, yeah, I think another funny thing I found is that... So, obviously, in, in the first Naked Gun film, which was about protecting uh, the Queen of England... Leslie Nielsen actually in real life later on in 2005 was actually introduced to Queen Elizabeth II um, during the centennial gala of uh, Saskatchewan, which was his his birthplace. There you go. That's very interesting. So he's obviously Canadian. He is a Canadian. Canadian from Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Now there's a lot of of actors that I thought in the movie were like, I can't believe they're in it. Especially OJ. uh, With everything with with OJ. I was like, this is crazy. And then even by... Like the third movie when it came out, I'm like, we're getting sort of pretty late in the in the in the stage there. Like, surely he's not in the third movie because I didn't remember him being in the third movie from when I was a kid. And no, he's definitely there. And it was uh, when the third movie had him in it. It had Anna Nicole Smith, obviously Leslie Nielsen, and a few other people. A couple that are actually you know. Do you know who Jones was in the third movie that I saw? James yeah. L. Jones. James L. Jones is in the third movie. That's great. There's actually a lot of celebrities because it's got the, obviously they're they're at the Academy Awards, mm. so there's yeah. a lot of celebrities there as well. Uh, but it, you know, a lot of the actors that were in the third movie are now either dead or have murdered their wives. Yes. Allegedly. Uh, you you may add. Allegedly. <laughs> but the third movie came out in was released in March. Was it March? March nineteen ninety four. May nineteen ninety four. Yeah. And then Nicole was... OJ's trial was in... OJ's trial was in in 95, but the murder happened in 94. Yes, yes, that is right. But you know what they say? If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. (sighs) Yep, you must. You must. Look, moving on. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Going back to some of the old police squad, I guess... You got to, to understand Naked Gun, you do need to understand Police Squad. Because I love Police Squad. When I first got shown Police Squad, I don't think I'd ever actually seen Naked Gun. And I loved it. As soon as I saw it, the stupid gags, just the ridiculous, absurd comedy, like the um, end credits of each episode. They played a spoof on old police serials from, like, you know, the 60s and 70s, where they do a freeze frame, whilst the end credits rolled. All right. So, if you, sorry, in Police Squad, they would do the same sort of thing but they didn't do a freeze frame or the actors just helped strike a pose and just stood there they just stood there yeah. and you can see them there usually whilst there was crazy shit going on around them and stuff as well which is pretty funny it was good I remember yeah they just stand there and you're like what and so you, you, I, remember, I think the first time I did see it though I was like oh and I was like hang on wait they're still moving what the fuck yeah, yeah. it's definitely very weird but obviously very funny oh um, it is they took the piss out of so much stuff and I mean that was what the the parody comedy I guess that Zaz, you sorry. There's a lot easier to say Zaz than, 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 than Zucker Abraham Zucker. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And there was one character that was actually credited in every episode of Police Squad as Abraham Lincoln, correct? Yeah, there was. It's a bloke called Rex Hamilton who um had some. I think he had a disability. But he had like a medical condition from an early age, and he ended up 
being very gaunt and he grew a goatee um, and he ended up looking having a striking resemblance to Abraham Lincoln like a full on beard like the beard like yeah the like Lincoln the Lincoln beard. beard yeah so he ended, and ended up then doing things like going to schools and things like that and giving speeches and you know being like an Abraham Lincoln Lincoln um, I don't know not an impersonator I guess but yeah anyway that was his that's what he mate. did yeah but it was he always was, the same clip that was used in the opening credits correct yeah so he was just in the, he was just in the opening credits he always got credited for being Abraham Lincoln in the show he never once actually appeared in it and he's no way in any form actually done any acting in his entire life it's hilarious which yeah pretty funny I think it just goes to show how how funny Zaz were it was interesting to see what they did do they did a lot of things well, they made Airplane together Top Secret together and a movie called Ruthless People which they directed together they didn't actually write that but that starred like um, I think it was Robert De Niro and a few other big actors and stuff as well oh wow yeah so like, that was pretty cool um, something I did notice though in especially with Jim Abrams the movies that he did majority of the movies that he wrote or produced always had an exclamation mark at the end of them so the Airplane has one Top Secret has one Police Squad the TV show also has one Hot Shots and then yeah, he went on to do Hot Shots and he did Mafia as well. And they, oh, I mean, I couldn't find any reason why, but just noticed that everything that he did solo outside of Zaz also had the exclamation mark. Maybe he likes to yell. <laughs> this is like really get his point across. <laughs> Drive that point home. Mm. I think in that case, then I was a bit more of a fan of Jim Abraham's sort of comedy because I remember watching Hot Shots when I was a kid, and that was hilarious with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, some of Charlie's best work. It is. He's got his dad in one or two of them as well. Martin yeah, Sheen. Yeah. I don't know which one. I don't know if he's, uh, his brother Emilio Estevez is in there as well. Emilio. Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love a good Emilio Estevez joke. I also found out with the third movie, 33 and a third, that the title as it was released was The Naked Gun, uh, The Final Insult. Naked, well, Naked Gun, 33 and a third, The Final Insult. But originally, because it was 33 and a third, and a third, it was actually meant to be a reference to old, um, like, gramophone records. Right. And yeah, so they actually wanted to call it... Uh, Number of revolutions per minute or something like that? that? Yeah, so they wanted to call it just for the... Re- yeah, Naked, gu- Naked Gun, 33 and a third, just for the record. Right. But yeah, apparently it was deemed too obscure and got changed. Yeah, I don't know. I think people would have appreciated it over time, especially when they eventually found it out. They were like, oh my God, I never picked up on that. Well, that's it. That's exactly... It was funny. I think it's funny. I think it should have stayed. I think it definitely should have stayed. Big fan. Uh, I also noticed that the third movie was the only one that wasn't directed by anyone out of the Zaz group. Yeah, so what only had uh, one of the... David David Zucker was the producer on it, but didn't actually direct. Mm. And all three of them still got credits because they're still using the characters and format and everything else used from Police Police Squad. Which is good. I mean, I feel like I really look. I am actually really annoyed that Police Squad did get cancelled, especially when you find out the reason. Like that reason was ridiculous because that was comedy fucking god. Are we remaking Police Squad? Is that what's happening here? We're, if we're I could remake that. Police Squad, I would. But it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be. It the wouldn't same. be the same, especially without Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, especially without Leslie. There's a couple of other things that I did notice in regards to Police Squad was that the intro for each episode, or the episode title, was always given in two parts, and I always thought it was just like like a gag like so the title on the screen for the episode would be one thing and then the narrator would say something different and I just thought that was part of the gag but apparently they were actually that was the full title of each episode so for example the first episode was um, called A Substantial Gift The Broken Promise so whilst 
a substantial gift appeared on the screen as the episode title. The narrator said, The Broken Promise. Right, so just like a, another little gag. Yeah, so I, and I always thought it was just a gag, but apparently that is actually the full episode's name. So they just did it in two halves, completely unrelated. So unrelated they just, they just thought it other. was another one of the gags that was happening. That's hilarious. Mm. But Leslie, Leslie Nelson did a lot of he did a lot of stuff over his career. He was, well, he was in a lot of films. He was. He was actually in films from 1950. Wow. Yeah, so he was in films from 1950. Did a lot of like drama stuff until he got his break with doing... He had a good voice um, for drama, though. He did. Apparently, according to people, he wasn't fantastic at the drama and said he always wanted to do comedy when he finally got offered it. But over his career, he actually did end up appearing in over... 100 films, 1,500 television episodes, and portrayed over 220 characters. It's pretty amazing. He's quite impressive. He does have a good voice, though. Like He's got a voice that like, you could listen to like books on tape, and it'd be awesome. You could, and I think he actually did a few for golf, like golf instructional, mm-hmm. instructional tutorials. Like, I actually read a quote from him saying that he was happy with his status, but he wouldn't, like, you know, because... Oh, where he was a celebrity, but he didn't want to. He always made sure that he didn't go down too far because then he wouldn't get to go and invited on like the big golf trips. So it was a bit of a golfer. Liked his golf, which is good. Yeah, which is good. Hmm. Everyone needs a hobby. That's true. That's true. And I think it's uh, noteworthy to list, list off maybe some of the other things that separately Zaz did. Uh, so David Zucker mm-hmm. actually did basketball with uh, Matt and Trey. Matt and Trey created South Park, which is apparently they didn't create basketball. Basketball, yeah, they didn't actually create basketball. Sounded like you said they didn't create, say, to create South Park. No, no, they definitely they did definitely South Park. They definitely created South Park. But no, they didn't do um, basketball, which I always thought they did. No, apparently they didn't. Apparently, David Zucker, though, did take on a lot of input from them, though, which and suggestions that they made, which did make it into the film. That's good. At least he was, he was open to feedback and input and everything like that. Yes. I also didn't realise that basketball was as big a flop as it was, because I love that movie. Yeah, it's apparently good film. that did not do well at all. It's crazy. On the other hand... The second Naked Gun film, uh, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear, is the highest, the, the most, what's considered the most successful out of the trilogy. Yeah, it's true. Made the most money. So, I mean, I guess as far as Hollywood goes, that, that, that generates success. That generates money equals success. And it made quite a lot of money as well. That was like over $86 million. Holy shit. Wish I had a hundred, I wish I had over $86 million. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I think, and the style of humour is also used as well for a series of Red Cider ads. What was it? Red Rock Cider, I believe it was called. Which starred Lizzie Nielsen in it and used a lot of the same sort of things that were used in Police Squad. Uh, like the um, episode titles, they used that sort of gag as well for the ads. With the opening titles being changed from, to other names, whilst one thing was red, and some of the gags from Police Squad were used in the ads as well that they had done. But I've never heard of it. <laughs> there you go. So one of the I think one of the big things that was noticeable in the Naked Gun films is obviously there were a lot of women with uh, rather large breasts. And on the topic of women with rather large breasts, let's move on to Tomb Raider. That's correct, because one of the defining features, I guess you could say, of Lara Croft is her rather generous bust that's correct which funnily enough you found something out about well there's a lot of there's two sides to it as I found out when we were sort of discussing left and right left and right that there was so the the big sort of thing that's put out there is that her breast size in the original games was a like a coding error and the designers the developers decided just to leave it in there whatevs but I think when you and I were talking about it there's people that say that's not entirely true. 
Yeah, I guess it got brought into question whether or not it was so much of an accident as it was claimed to be. And either way, they rolled with it, so... And it's become iconic. Well, true. I mean, yeah, that's correct. It became very iconic of the day. Everyone knew it, I mean. And in, in, in a way, I'm pretty sure they've said, like, they kind of knew that that would draw people in as well at the same time. Obviously, back in early 90s, it was a very... I guess gaming was more male-dominated than anything. They knew that would draw people in in a way as well, which it did. It certainly did. I guess it's uh, come from the breasts and stay for the amazing gameplay. That's right. Which which worked, because it did actually have amazing gameplay. Yeah. I used to like doing cool stuff with, with Lara when you... Well, the first time I played it, first time I found out you could do like a handstand when you climbed up over a ledge and stuff like that, or when you could do like the swan dive move. I'm so glad that's where that went. She loved doing fun stuff with Lara. Yeah, well... <laughs> Going down the uh, the old Australian cricket team thing, having fun with Lara. Uh, but, I mean, it's a game that so, sort of has aged well as well. So, the first game was released back in 1996. And pretty sure it's also one of the first games I remember being given for my PlayStation. Yeah, it's one of the first games I remember playing on the PS1. Mm. And, oddly enough, I think I played Tomb Raider 2 before I actually played the original Tomb Raider. No, see, I, got, I remember waking up on my birthday one day and having a present thrown at me. I'm pretty sure, like, I was in bed and I was just like, here, happy birthday. Here you go, cunt. Yeah, pretty much, just threw it on the bed and I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, it's my birthday, cool, what's this? Oh, it's a PlayStation game, thank you. Look at those tits. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's what little seven-year-old me said. Look at those tits. Look at those tits. Uh, But no, it it was really cool. I think the first game was more animal dominated. As far as, like, enemies and things like that. Yeah, I do remember, like, when you're, like, going through, like, the cave or whatever, and all of a sudden there's fucking bears, and was it, like, some... Was it, like, a snow leopard or some shit comes out at you Yeah. There's a a T-Rex at one point. Yeah, yeah, there is. So, I found out that I had Tomb Raider Legend, which was, uh, like, it's a remake, basically, of the original game, and I'm playing through that, and I'd totally forgotten. I go out... Was Legend or Anniversary? Oh, maybe it was Anniversary. I think maybe Legend was the one before that. Yeah. And then they did Anniversary, so like Legend was a was a basically a rehash of the series and they did Anniversary. Yeah, I think you're right. And they did Anniversary, but that was just the remake, basically. Remaster of the first, of the first one. Of well, the first one with some slight changes and whatever. Because they changed the story and whatever else. Uh, but yeah, I go ahead in this room, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, fucking th- three Velociraptors just start fucking running at me. I'm like, what the fuck? Fuck. So I'll take them down with fucking dual pistols. I found all the shotgun ammo, but I haven't found a fucking shotgun yet. That would have been handy. And on that's done, I'm like, cool, alright. They're down, I'll look around, and three more fucking come at me. I'm like, fuck me. Alright, these these things don't go down easy. And the next thing I know... Next minute. T-Rex just comes out and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? It was pretty crazy. There was some really cool... There have always been really cool touches in all of the games, though. Like in the original Tomb Raider and... In anniversary as well, obviously, because it's a rehash of the first one. Uh, if you got when you're in the like the I don't know if it's the shrine of King Midas or the, the tomb of King Midas or whatever it is, there's a big King Midas statue basically. Mm. And if you make Lara walk onto one of his hands, she turns into solid gold and then dies. Rough, rough. But yeah, that's pretty rough. But that's it's a cool. cool. That's a cool it detail. It is very cool. Mm. Yeah, they were a little bit like back then. Like game cheats used to be. Oh, that was something they were always put into the game. And, you know, something to find out. Something I did find out that is if you... I can't remember which cheat code it was, but if you try to use a cheat code from the first one in the second game, Lara just blew up. Yeah, she just, just, just caused it to explode. Just went... 
I'm pretty sure they put a cheat in there as well for there was, there was always rumours of the what was I guess nicknamed the nude raider cheat where you could put a cheat in and, and Lara would be completely naked yeah I did hear something about but that but then then when you do that I can't remember if she either I'm pretty sure she either just dies on the spot or she explodes again yeah so I don't think it actually was a real thing no it wasn't a real thing Though it was just I did hopes and prayers from a lot of people. I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure people made mods for it for the PC version. Though. Where you could do that, where you could do it, because of course there's always going to be some bloke out there that's like, you know, I'll be better about this game if she got a kit off. She got her gear off. Speaking of getting a gear off, okay. The the model that was actually used for the original Tomb Raider character model, uh, she was completely forgotten her name, and she went into Playboy. Playboy put. All over their cover, you know, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. See a titsy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, get her get kid off. Were promptly sent a, basically like a cease and, cease and desist from the developers of Tomb Raider saying, yeah, you can't do that. And the obviously the title that was removed from the page, but I'm pretty sure there's actually a couple of copies of the magazine out there that still have it on it. Oh, there would be. Which would be worth... Quite well, probably would now. be, especially the only few of them actually you know, slip through the gaps before they had to pull them all. Also, side note while we're talking about Playboy, universal rule of the internet, if something exists, there's a porno for it. There's a porno for Tomb Raider called Womb Raider. Of course there is. And that's Fuck. fucked. <laughs> it had to happen. What? Yeah, it had to happen. Yeah. See, I've heard the same rule though, which is... <laughs> used to be a slight sort of drinking game that we had. Whereas if, if you could think of it in a way, then it existed out there. We more went on with like weird, you know, you know, those weird fetishes that people have. So it was more yeah, of, yeah, 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 people with weird fetishes. So yeah, it was more, it was more that like when we would just yell out some whole bunch of random crap and then laugh and be like, now that we've said it, there's someone out there that has it. Yeah, that makes sense as well. But getting back to Tomb Raider, back, back and, to Tomb Raider. Away, from, Raider. away from the smut, <laughs> one of the things I used to do as a young young lad is, because I'd get a bit frustrated sometimes when shit wouldn't work my way when I was playing the game. and It was a bit of a frustrating game. And I'd rage quit. And when I, before I'd rage quit, though, I'd make sure I'd swan dive Lara off the highest <laughs> thing on the concrete. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing what you're told. You're going to fucking break your neck. Oh, shit. Uh, probably could have gone one or two ways. I could have ended up a serial killer, but luckily I didn't. Yeah. One of the iconic things for me, though, that I always remember, and even now I can sort of picture it in my head, is the Venice level from Tomb Raider 2. Mm. And, like, getting getting down, getting into the little boat and having to go through all the little canals and everything like that. I remember doing that, and that was, like, one of the first times in a video game where I... I think it was actually the first time in a video game where I actually got to, like, have a boat and just, like, hoon around in a speedboat. So that level didn't get completed for a while then? Yeah, no, I was fucking around in, in the boat and killing rats and killing doing all rats. kinds of cool shit. Oh, and shit. I also liked, I think it was in the second one, where you could lock the butler in the freezer in the Croft Manor. In the Croft Manor? Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you lure him in there and you'd like like do like, like one of those jump backflip sort of roll mm. things over him and then you can shut the door and you just lock him in the freezer. <laughs> it was like one of the first things I'd ever do whenever I was in Croft Manor. Get him straight in there. You're going in the freezer, Sunshine. Sunny oh, Jim. I'm bringing Sunny Jim back. Sunny Jim. Mate, Sunny Jim's a good one. Hmm. But no, overall, they've been great games. I think the reboots as well that have been done actually have been pretty good. They've been solid. Mm. Like, they've been really solid. There's actually a little Easter egg in, uh, I think it's the first reboot they made, where 
the part where Lara finds a secret and the noise from the original Tomb Raider games and the actual audio of Lara going, uh-huh, when she finds a secret, actually plays. Yeah, nice. Which is very cool. It is good. It's good. good. I, I do like the fact that, one, they remade, they, they did a good job of it, but they also, you know, show go back to their roots and actually keep those things there for fans of the original we franchise. We talking about Womb Raider again? No, no, no. We, no, we, no we're going to move far away from Womb Raider. But no, um, no, new games are good. Like, I played, um, I played the first one a bit. I found it a little bit linear when I played the first one. But I found the sec- the next one, which was the second one. That Rise I, of the Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb one. Raider, yeah. I found that a little bit more, well, not as linear as I felt confined in the first one. Yeah. Well, the first one, the first one, I think it was the first one that came under, so that was in, what, 2013? It came out? Yeah. The first one came under a lot of scrutiny because in the trailers there was a scene. There's a scene where Lara's like being attacked by these like I don't know if they're like a tribe or something or like that. Yeah, okay. basically heavily implied that she's about to get raped. Ooh. and yeah, it, it drew a lot of controversy. But then the developers were like, "Well, that's not what happens. Like, it's, yeah, this it's isn't not, Womb Raider. Yeah, this isn't Womb Raider. We keep coming, keep circling back to. <laughs> oh Womb no, Raider. you brought it up. You just. <laughs> Oh dear! Look, maybe we'll dedicate an episode just to Womb Raider. No, 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 we're not, no, we're not that. doing that. No way! I don't need to see that shit. <laughs> um, but look, very successful game franchise though, um, and it is what Tomb Raider games worldwide. And I'm pretty—I sure, don't know if this is outdated or not. I'm pretty sure it's a few years outdated. So it's 74 million copies worldwide. I'm pretty sure last count it was lucky. It was a bit higher than that. It was like 87 million or something. Yeah, like that. especially with what the most recent one was only released what last year. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, haven't so, played that yet still, but I really no, I still haven't managed to get my hands on that. But I will, yeah, after playing Rise of the Tomb Raider, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on it and having a go because that was actually that was fun. And uh, Lara Croft or Tomb Raider in some sort has been the there's been on more game covers than any other video game character. Yeah, so, or magazine covers. Magazine covers. Yeah, so apparently, yeah, more than any other, um, like, game icon. So, more than any other game character. So, Which, when uh, you think about it, like, if you, if you take into account Mario and Sonic and Crash Bandicoot yeah, and stuff shit, like that, yeah. you know, that's, that's huge. It is massive. So, individually, just as Lara Croft, she's appeared on over 1,230 magazine covers. And again, I'm pretty sure these were taken like these numbers were taken like four years ago because this is actually a world record that they, that she has. Lara Croft, the imaginary character, the imaginary has, character. has of her world record. Um, however, the number does go up, so where she's actually appeared on magazine covers alongside other characters and things like that as well it goes up to 1,400. Not including the Playboy cover. Probably not including the Playboy cover. That's probably probably not because that was no. That was a season desist. <laughs> Um, there have been a few different world records set though um, in regards to it some of them I feel like are ridiculous and anyone could set it for anything as in the largest gathering of people dressed as Lara Croft not very hard it's like not a hard world record break you can do that for most things if it's very that specific I'm a little disturbed by the fact that you said the largest group of people dressed as Lara Croft does that mean there's dudes in like tight Blue tops and and short shorts. They could have been. The, yeah. they, they could have been, man. It's twenty nineteen. I mean, that was made in twenty fifteen, but still, it's twenty nineteen now, man. It's twenty nineteen. Uh, but no, so the record was actually broken the twentieth anniversary of Tomb Raider, uh, where there was a total of two hundred and seventy people cosplaying as Lara Croft. Oh wow! So quite quite a high number. 
So what if that's twentieth anniversary? You would know would mean what two thousand sixteen. Yeah. So the and then it was the town of Derby in England. Mm-hmm. Is obviously where the the main studio was for the Square Enix. No, it was Core Design back then. Core Design. So the yeah company actually came up with it was Core Design. Do you know actually they actually were working on that for three years before they released it? Oh really? Yeah. So they actually started development of the game in nineteen ninety three. They then spent three years making that game. Then after its popularity, they pumped out another game a year for the next four years. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they like designed and made the game engine and everything else that went with the game. Like They started off from scratch. They didn't get it from anywhere else. They made the whole thing themselves at Core Design. However, they, they lost it after... So they were taken over by uh, EDOS. Right. Um, and then Six Game eventually flopped hard. And so they were just like, yeah, cool. We're giving we're giving it to Crystal Dynamics to make from here on out. And they made it from there, on it? And yeah, and that, and that is what Crystal Dynamics have done. Who also make uh, such popular titles as the old Gex the Gecko. Yes. Uh, Pandemonium, if you remember that one. Fuck yeah, Pandemonium was sick. Pandemonium was actually pretty cool. Um, and obviously they have a few other good titles under their belt. But they were two big ones that are really stood out to me that I remembered playing. Major ones. Yeah, but where uh, where Core Designs is in Derby, uh, I don't know if it's on the exact site, but there is a it's been given a blue plaque to Lara Croft, which is normally in the UK a award given to like historical buildings or historic places where historical events or famous people from history have actually been born yeah, right. or lived. And so Lara Croft actually has her own one. She's like one of the only fictional characters that actually has her own plaque. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So I, I did say that like they did something a bit for in Derby. I'm pretty sure the actual old building, of course, I'm pretty sure it's actually just apartment blocks now, which is pretty sad. That is very sad. Yeah. There's a road in Derby as well called Lara Croft, Lara Croft, Lara Croft Lane or Lara Croft mm. Road or something like that. Yeah, I saw something like that as well. So they're, pretty they're, pretty, cool. they're pretty proud, pretty they're proud pretty, people there in proud, Derby. Oh, Derby, they're like, yeah, we've got Lara. Mm. Well, look, no, well, Britain, so she's actually won a few awards in Britain as well. So Tomb Raider in 2006 was actually voted uh, one of Britain's top 10 designs in the great British Design Quest, uh, which is actually run by the BBC and the Design Museum. Uh, and it also appeared alongside a list of British design icons uh, up there with Concord, Mini, the World Wide Web. I'll come back to that if you want me to. We can circle back to that one. Um, Grand Theft Auto, which was the only other video game to make it in there. Uh, the K2... K2 telephone box which is the you know standard big red the, telephone yeah, box standard tel- yep. red telephone box that you see and things the London Tube map uh, the AEX Route Master for those who don't know that's just a double deck bus <laughs> I was looking I was like AEX <laughs> Route Master I'm like what the hell is this it sounds like I'm a like, modem why don't you just say a bloody double decker bus it does sound like a modem like an internet modem it really does um, as well as the sub- Supermarine Spitfire um, aeroplane uh, but no I was like, really, I was like, World Wide Web? I'm like, what do you mean? Apparently, the British bloke actually came up with the web interface that we now know as the World Wide Web. Well, there you go. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so you're old WWW. You know, I only just re- recently found out that Stephen Hawking was actually British. Really? Yeah. That's always, amazing. I thought he was American because, I'm guessing because just because his computer voice was always American. Oh, no. But that's why I just thought yeah, I, was no. like, I was just like... I, like, I don't know if I have also subconsciously made that assumption. Yeah, it, it's definitely a very uh, interesting sort of fact. Um, other world records, though, going back to the old world records for the old Tomb Raiders, she also has the most official real-life standings 
for a video game character. So there have been a total of 10 different official uh, real-life models that have been used uh, for Lara Croft. Uh, that was between 1996 and 2012. Probably we now know why one of those was replaced, at least. Yeah, so there's a lot of... There's, a lot of, there's actually quite a few real-life Lara Crofts out there. Yeah, so it's like all their promotional crap and shit they do. All that sort of shit yeah. they have to do, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of references to uh, Indiana Jones throughout the games as well, mm. throughout all the different games. She basically is... The female Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it. Pretty much. Except she's probably a little bit more violent than Indy. She shoots a lot more stuff than Indy does. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, she does. She does. Uh, apparently, they've always left her sexuality ambiguous as well. There was talks of the developers wanting to make her a lesbian for the most recent reboot games uh, because of her relationship with a character named Sam, but they never actually pulled the trigger on that. They just sort of... It's not needed. I feel like it'd be a bit ham-fisted and a bit forced if it was. Yeah, like, so I think in like today's day and age where it's all about that, like it's just, just we don't, we're, not, we're not here to find out what Lara does in a spare time. No. We, we just want to shoot, shoot, shoot some shit, jump over some shit, maybe ride a motorbike. You know, it's, it's just not really needed. All stuff you can do if you grew up in the country in Australia, but... <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I found out uh, was interesting, so... When original games released, it was released on PC, PlayStation, and the Sega Saturn. There you go, the Sega Saturn. I actually had one of those at one stage. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. My dad bought me one. It was actually, I'm pretty sure I had that before I had a PS1, so that was... Interesting. Yeah, so I had the... Because the Sega Saturn sort of... the one they were the first ones to actually have the disc before PlayStation? Not too sure there. But they were they were very early on. If they weren't if they weren't the first, they were definitely second. But they were on, on the disc, but they just didn't, they didn't take off. I remember I had... I had Time Crisis on the Sega Saturn and it had like a, like a lightning gun love and stuff time, to, use, to use with the TV crisis. and stuff. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, big fan of that. You don't see it much anymore. Like, I remember having PlayStation and we had the, whatever the gun was that you plugged into the PlayStation, you shot the screen. Like, that was that was really cool. Because those lightning guns don't work on new TVs, they only work on CRT TVs. But yeah, Someone should fix that. I do know that like on the Switch you can get, like, you can play like, there's like hunting games and stuff and you can actually get like a shotgun thing that you can put the switch joy cons in and then you can yeah, use it right. to like, like yeah. aim and stuff it's not the same tell you what I reckon Nintendo have made big steps up with the switch they've actually oh leaps and bounds after I feel like the Wii and the Wii U are a bit of a failure but I have both the Wii U was the Wii U was cool for some things like it was really cool in the sense that you could I don't think it was poorly executed but there was like cool things like Mario Maker itself is huge obviously why they've mm. made Mario Maker 2 for the Switch but also some games that you play on the Wii U I was trying to just play them on the Wii U screen but you actually need to have the TV as well and the screen interacts with it so like if you're playing yeah, Batman okay, yeah. you can use it to like scan for stuff and you can like hold it up and like move it and stuff and look for stuff which yeah, is okay. cool that's pretty cool innovators over there at Nintendo sometimes they, a little bit ahead of their time for which is unfortunate for themselves. They do shoot themselves in the foot every now and then. Um, funnily enough, though, after the first game was released, PlayStation actually signed an exclusivity deal uh, with Core Designs, meaning that game couldn't be released on any other console until after the year 2000. Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm pretty sure the newer games are all on... Yeah, so it was only last until the year 2000. It still, still got released on PC, I'm pretty sure, but the only console that they games on were on Sony. after the first one, up until the year 2000, were on um, the Sony. Well, yeah, well, Lara was, you know, one of the faces of PlayStation during the 90s and... Oh, yeah, she was huge. Like... Probably how she appeared on, like, 14,000 magazine covers. Yeah, there was, like, Lara Croft, Crash Bandicoot, 
and I don't know if I can think of, and probably yeah, yeah, the third one I can think of would be Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, true. Oh yeah, Lara Croft was also the first non non person celebrity, I guess, because she got herself to that status. Never appeared on the front cover of the British culture magazine called The Face, which prior to that had only ever featured actual people, real humans, yeah, real human beings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like yeah, she yeah she really dominated the market when she came in, and she's quite often cited as being a big turning point for the gaming industry in many different ways. One obviously standing out within a male-dominated video game market, um, as well as pioneering the the game medium of the action adventure platform games. Yeah, well, she was one of the first like female heroes. I the guess. main main, main characters. Yeah. You know, before that, predominantly the male protagonist was always saving the female damsel in distress mm. sort of dynamic. It's but funny she, you mentioned that because I did read something that. where they like polarized her against like Princess Peach. Princess Peach is a stupid bitch, and no one liked her. It's true. It's true. But like that, you know, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, she, obviously she was always the damsel in distress. Whereas they just took and yeah, she could do all this cool shit. She would take a uh, take punishment, take hell of a beating. Like she got, she gets fucked up a lot of the time, falling down hills and cliffs and shit and fucking all kinds of fighting shit. dinosaurs as you do, fighting motherfucking dinosaurs. Uh, but the movies weren't even weren't terrible either. No, movies weren't bad. I must say, Angelina Jolie was Perfect. a pretty good choice. It was a very good choice. I haven't seen the latest Tomb Raider with the new. Like based no. on the, I think it's based on the new rebooted game. It is, yeah. I haven't. I watched a trailer for it the other day. I was like, and after playing like one of the new rebooted, rebooted games, I was like, I can see this is pretty much very much based off that. It does look good though. I just haven't actually watched it. Uh, but no, those movies did really well for, um, I guess, video game adaptions. Um, and it actually was the highest grossing movie of a video game adaption at the until 2010. So it made 275 mil in the box office. Until it was replaced by, surprisingly, of all movies, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Which fucking sucks. Yeah, it's not... So I don't know I don't know if that's been adjusted for inflation, because I swear she would still be on top. Surely that did not do that well. That I didn't even, I didn't seen it, and I've been told by so many people not to, because it's bad. Yeah, it's it's garbage. Uh, it's Yeah, it's not, not a great film at all. Angelina Jolie, actually, Angelina Jolie, I should say, actually made a few adjustments to her physical appearance to fit the role as well yeah she did she, she, she was pretty dedicated she wanted to make sure she, I guess you know I think she knew that there was a I don't know rabid fan base maybe she wanted to make sure that uh, she was in proportion for them so she lived up to those original 1996 standards she did she uh, she got the extra extra implant which is saying something because I mean she was, she's fairly sort of buxom herself mm, yeah she, she, she actually put padding in yeah, to, to increase. I think she increased her uh, cup size. So it wasn't actually like an actual implant to it. No, no, no. She just she put some, no, put some padding some, in. Just like, I don't know, just put towel something down there. Tissue or something. Whatever they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a very good move. It's actually... Um, I couldn't find anything if it's been broken since then, but it also has the biggest opening movie weekend, oh, opening weekend for a movie with a female lead role since Aliens had been released in 1986. That's fucking man. That's crazy. Mm. That is some crazy shit. But yeah, and she did a lot of her own stunts, stunts as well. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. She was uh, she was pretty dedicated to the role. She didn't really like filming the first one. She still came back for a second one, so she must have hated it that much. Or she didn't hate the money that much. True, true. I mean, some solid dosha being thrown her way. No, all in all, Tomb Raider series solid. I'm solid. I'm actually really glad they didn't fuck up the reboot. 
Yeah, I'm really glad of that as well because there have been times where they've made games based on older games that have been absolute pieces of shit. Know which one was? Spyro. Yeah, it was. So they had the original trilogy and they tried doing some weird shit with it when the PS2 came out and they were crap. Yeah, I thought you meant the the reignited no, series. No, no, the reignited. No, they just remade the You want about the reignited series is good. It's way better than the Crash Bandicoot one because that's made ridiculously more difficult. No, there were no, there was some weird PS2 versions of Spyro, which they were bad. Actually, where I thought you were going to go was Duke Nukem Forever, because that game. Oh, was that a was fuck shit. yeah! That's a much better example because that was shit. You can only two carry two fucking weapons. What the fuck's that shit? That uh, was bullshit. And it, he's slow and sluggish. Like I don't remember Duke ever being that slow and fucking sluggish ever. No, that was. And it was really, really, really you could tell short. How, you could tell they half-assed it. Well, they they really, really did. They were like, the name will sell it. No. No. We expect more from our game developers nowadays. That's right. But from there, I think we will uh, move into what will be our first actual extra segment. I'll, on the I'll cold... call it bonus segment. Bonus segment? Yeah, it's bonus. Bonus yeah, segment? It's extra. On the, uh, the Cold of yeah, Popularity it extra. It's bonus. Yeah. It's extra. Bonus. It's exactly what I just called it. An extra segment. Like copy mine, but don't make it don't make it look the same. Uh, so we're going to do a, uh, our first proper segment, which is which is what I would like to call misinterpreted song lyrics. Now I wanted to find that for people because I've run it through a few people and they're like, oh yeah, misheard song lyrics. I'm like, that's not what I said. It's not misheard. That is not what I said. I the words misheard. are all the same. Words are the same. Misinterpreted. The meaning is different. The meaning of the song being interpreted maybe incorrectly. Or potentially, you've just misinterpreted it. So, what have you got for us on this inaugural episode or segment of misinterpreted song lyrics, Joshua? So, what I have for you is Ronan Keating. Ronan Keating. Aware of, uh, and look, don't get me wrong, I like Ronan Keating. He's an alright bloke. Um, actually, was it? Was he everyone? He was, in, he was in a boy band. He was in a boy band, that's not where I was coming with that. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, no, one of those stupid TV singing contest ones. He's been in a couple of them actually. The one that he, um, he was in one uh, here in Australia called One, but one versus one hundred or one versus the one versus the one hundred. Oh, that's the one with that. All, all, all together now. All together now. That was actually wasn't too bad. No, I'm pretty Julia sure it was just, it wasn't. Um, she was awesome. It wasn't Australian Idol because that shit was crap. No, I think I'm pretty sure he was on X Factor maybe. Yeah, I think. Oh no, I don't think it's or Australia's Got Talent. Must have been X, X Factor. He's just singing, isn't it? Yeah, X Factor's just singing. Yeah, maybe it was that. I didn't mind it whilst he was on there. I didn't mind Ryan Kenny. I actually respect the man. But. He does a shitty cover of uh, If Tomorrow Never Comes, just saying. Does he? Well, he, his version of If, if Tomorrow yeah, Never Comes cool. is shit. Yeah, that's cool. Let's face it. Most covers are shit anyway. I don't know why people bother. Unless you're actually adding something and changing it up. If you're just fucking redoing the tune and singing the same song, like pretty much the same, it's like, cool. You're in a falsetto. Marvellous. Marvellous. Uh, but no, anyway, misinterpreted song lyrics. So, I have here a song called When You Say Nothing At All. Which is a song that a lot of people probably use for their weddings and, and things like that. Plus, they now put it in the bag, so I'm about to ruin it for them. Really nice, like a like love song they're thinking. They're thinking like, you know what? This really expresses how I feel for my partner. But... Yeah, so, I was listening to it, and I was like... Then I was like... Because you're a sensitive new age guy. A bit of a snag. A bit of a snag. Yeah, and it's like, but you say it best when you say nothing at all. And I was like, I think I get what he means. And I'm pretty sure what he does mean is that, you know, I love you, you love me, you don't need to say anything. Just yeah. shut the fuck up. Well, that's not what he means, but 
That is how I misinterpreted it. <laughs> you misinterpreted. As in, just shut the fuck up. You say best when you say nothing at all. Just stop talking. Shut the yapper. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. A little bit of uh, food for thought. It is. Just, you know, maybe next time I listen to that song. Really hope you didn't choose it for your wedding now. I hope you, you did. I hope, I hope you did. And I hope on your anniversary you listen to it again and you're like, oh, fuck. Those guys ruined this for they me. They ruined it for me. And then, I'll, and then yeah, if, if that happened, let us know because I will laugh my fucking ass off. You know what? I'm actually reading through the lyrics right now. Smile on your face lets me know that you need me. There's a truth in your eyes saying you'll never leave me. Is that truth or is that fear? We don't know. The touch of your hand says you'll catch me wherever I fall. Strong woman, obviously. And you say it best when you say nothing at all. That could really be misinterpreted as giving a bit of a slap around on your woman right there. Yeah, it definitely could be. Look, Ronan, maybe you know, we need to have a few words about this and, 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 and hammer this thing out. Look, and this says more about him than it does about me, people, just before anyone starts throwing out accusations. He's the one that wrote it. He wrote it. These are his words. He should have really thought about that before he put them put them words to paper. But moving on. But moving right along. So from us in invading your memories of your wedding to one of the greatest cartoon series of all time. That's correct. Invader Zim. Absolute belter of a TV series. It really was. Like one of the best cartoons that was definitely going around in really the 2000s. Super over the top, which is, there's no problem with that. Oh, there can be. But this was done the right way. This was done very much so in the right way. So what? Uh, Invaded Zim, created by uh, Jonin C. Vasquez, who, despite that name... Jonin Look, we don't know. He's American, so we'll go Jonin. All right, cool. That's not an American-sounding name, but I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, well, he created Invaded Zim um, after he'd already created a couple of comics. So he, he carried comics first and then um, was offered by Nickelodeon make cartoon series. Um, he was originally going to try and do something with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which was a comic that he'd already done, and then went for decided to do something completely new and different, and graced us with Invaders in. And what an absolute gift that was, because I remember the first time I watched it, I remember watching it on Nickelodeon when I was, uh, I would have been a teenager, early teens, probably. Yeah, what did yeah. 12, 13 maybe. Yeah, it came out, yeah, what? Teens? The Toons? The Toons! Or was it the 2000s? Which, yeah. Would have been getting close to those teen years. But yeah, it was, uh, to remember watching it in game, like, like, this is awesome. Fell in love with Gurr straight away. Oh, how can you not? If you don't, if you don't like Gurr, there's something fucking wrong with you. Probably a serial killer. Gurr's fantastic. You're definitely a piece of shit, that's for sure. Um, funny enough, going, focusing on Gurr, um, the voice actor that played him was like, deliberately picked as someone who had never done it before. It was actually, um, uh, a mate of Vasquez's. That he worked on with some of his comics previously. Or if we're going for the American speak, we'd go, buddy? Buddy? Uh, buddy? Hey, buddy. Hey there, buddy. Hey, buddy. Um, but yeah, he worked with um, Vasquez on some of his comics that he'd worked on, and they'd actually had quite a few people come through and audition for the role of Gurr, uh, but Vasquez didn't like any of them, really. Uh, just feeling that they didn't fit the role. And so he encouraged his friend to do it, saying that you couldn't fuck it up anymore then I don't know if he said that but he said you couldn't you couldn't do any worse than anyone anyone else that's done it and so they did it and they went in they worked with him on the comic I Feel Sick um, saying saying they couldn't screw it up any more than anyone else Um, and they ended up using a voice from when they would play hand puppets with their father as a child there you go I did not know that at all I literally just thought they gave someone a 
fuckload of drugs and let them go loose in the booth. No, so it did have to be altered a little bit, like to get that like high pitch and sort of and yeah, yeah, or not so much high, but the the like you know the metallic sort of voice yeah. comes through. Obviously, it's a robot. Ro- yeah, the needed, robotic sort of. Yeah, yeah, that needed to be altered a bit, but yeah. I wish I could do a good girl impression, but I can't. No, nah, because you apparently need a synthesizer to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting about Gert. Uh, definitely probably the most loved character from from that show. Oh, hands down. Like, Sim was great. Dib was great. Didn't I actually... Probably Gaz is pretty cool. Gaz is sick. Ah, uh, but no. Gert, people... Yeah, anyone you talk to about Invaders of loved Gert. Yeah. Now, Gert's just off the chain crazy and funny, which is, like, hilarious. Like, when, when, uh, when they lose the little... The little piggy. Oh, the, yeah, like, the like, rubber Hello, piggy. did you, piggy? Mm. So good. Like, I was actually um, doing this. I was I found some um, Invaded Zim comics. I was reading one. And he has, has this poodle and he just like launches it out of his head into space. Yeah, they use that in, um, they use that in the floppers, in the, the Netflix. Yeah, so this comic, yeah, so the comic had, there's a lot of uh, scenes that I noticed in the comic which were then used in Enter the Floppers. Yeah. And yeah, she's like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that now. Because he just realised he's lost his, launched his poodle into space. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure in later on in, the, in Enter the Floppers the poodle comes back down and lands. Mm. And then he's like, he's like, oh, you came back. And then he puts it back in and fucking launches it again. <laughs> <laughs> Messed up little robot. Love it. Now, I think we covered in the last... Well, we did. Yeah, we definitely did cover it in the last episode. You thought the girl was singing the Do song, not the, the Doom, Doom. Yeah. song. I did uh, for years, many a long time. So that was definitely part of the ads that spruced Invader Zim on Nickelodeon. And yeah, oh, if you're me, do 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 do. Fucking hell, mate! But uh, won quite a few awards as well. Did right? yeah, no, I did. So I won um, an outstanding individual achievement in animation. So that was actually a primetime Emmy award. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, won. Outstanding individual achievement for storyboarding in an animated television production. Um, that was specifically for the Nightmare Begins episode, which was an Annie Award. Nice. And then also won Best Title Sequence for World Animation Celebration Award. And it was, to be fair, it was pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. Opening title sequence. The opening title sequence is absolutely amazing. It's, it's very, very well put together. But then obviously the sadness comes when it was cancelled by Nickelodeon. It was indeed cancelled by Nickelodeon, who really, uh, through no fault of their own. Well, no, no, that's not what I meant. Through every fault of their own. Yeah, fuck Really. Them. They, they kind of, yeah. Sweet pooch. They did, as you're talking about that poodle, um, laid the seeds for, for its own demise, I guess, really, because they kind of fucked it over in many ways. They fucked around with its, um, time slots. They fucked around with the way they ordered it. So they actually ordered it because, well, and got Vasquez to come up with the, idea because they were trying to come up with a series or a lot of se- or a few different TV shows to go in for a new segment for, aimed for a slightly older audience than what they usually do content for. Right. And Invaders In was the only show that they actually ever ordered. So that segment never went ahead at all. Time slot never went, in, went Time ahead. Time slot never went ahead. The whole segment of like a series of shows aimed for a slightly older audience never went ahead. And so because of that, that left Invaders In in this awkward position where it was a show that was deliberately ordered for a slightly older audience being aired for a younger audience. Yeah, which is really sad because, I mean, they could have done what, what the Harry Potter films did, which was have the characters and have the, the subject matter and everything sort of grow with the audience over a number of years. Like, if you like, yeah, if you but, like watch... but it started but it started already older than 
the audience was. Yeah, they really fucked themselves with that. They pulled a Firefly. They fucked it up. Yes, yes they did. I have to bring the Firefly up. I just like to hurt you in any way I can. You do. It was weird because, I mean, it was actually originally edited in between The Fairly Odd Parents and Rocket Power. I remember Fairly Odd Parents. I don't know if I remember Rocket Power. Rocket Power? Rocket Power was cool. Uh, Rocket Power was, I think it was potentially done by some people that actually made Rugrats. So it's about these group of kids that lived like oh. on a boardwalk. Um, yeah, dad I remember like that. Dad owned a surfboard shop or something. Yeah, and he was like the walk. uncle dude and he was like a big fat dude and he was like, mahalo, yeah. big like Hawaiian. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, they were like into surfing, yeah, skateboarding yeah, yeah. and rollerblading and everything. Yeah, yeah no, Rocket Power was sick. I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, probably not where Invader Zim needed to be. No, not where it <laughs> needed to be. And there was some... Conf- some uh, controversy over Dib and the trench coat that he wore as well. Is that right? Yeah, so Nickelodeon were hesitant even before show went to production about Dib and his trench coat, saying that it could make people think of the Columbine shooters, which is a bit of a stretch, but, I mean, it was only a couple of years, I guess, fresh still. Hope they lost that argument. Yeah, well, I mean, fucking Neo wore a trench coat, and he did shoot a lot of fucking people, but that's... But... Potentially, didn't The Matrix come out before then? Before Columbine. Yeah. When was Columbine out? Mm, Columbine happened in 1999. Matrix out before then? Oh, we're going to fact One check One moment while I run a Google search. But yeah, uh, basically due to, yeah, not having the original slotting planned for Invaders in what they had, they ended up swapping it around, moving it around, changing it. They even started stop plugging it as much as they did in advertising as time went on and we eventually saw its demise. Uh, that along with the fact of the budget that they'd set for it because apparently Invaders Zim was actually the most expensive show that they were producing at the time as well. Um, You're not going to fucking believe this. Alright. Right? The Matrix was released on the 8th of April 1999. The Columbine no. shooting happened 20th of April 1999. Ooh. Very close. That is very close. But you are correct. Matrix was first. Yeah. I was a little bit worried that you may say that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. And eventually, that's what saw the end of Invader Zim. Sorry, while I was fact-checking, fact-checking, did you cover off on 9-11? No. That's very awkward for everyone listening right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. And then, and then as time went on, 9-11 terrorist attacks did happen. And Nickelodeon, again, started becoming more increasingly concerned about the content they were airing. Jeff Field doesn't melt steel beams, Joshua. Uh, indeed, it does not. I will agree on that. Tin foil hat time. There and was something else that was like a bit of a fucked up thing that happened as well. Mm-hmm. With the wasn't it was like the kid that killed a person that killed their neighbour and harvested their organs. Uh, yeah, they did. That that was after it got cancelled though. That was definitely no way related to the cancellation. That was like four years after it got cancelled. But yeah, some kid did kill his neighbour and did some weird shit, and then during his trial did mention the uh, Dark Harvest episode it's pretty fucked yeah they were looking at doing like a like bringing the show back like a revival but it was just too expensive is that right yeah so yeah they actually did so they actually did a rerun of all the episodes um, in 2010 I believe it was they actually did a revival attempt so they actually aired all the reruns of the episodes over like a 
three, four-month period uh, where it actually was the second highest rated show on, the, on Nickelodeon at the time, and they did actually make an offer to Vasquez to bring it back, which he says he would have done, but they, they weren't offering enough money for, to pay for the crew and production of the show to actually do what they wanted to do, so they turned it down, which is Wait, very sad. It's a bit of a, you know, it's a fair shout. Like, mm. don't, if they're not going to pay you enough to be able to make it, then what's the point of making it? Well, that's it. Like, it was a very expensive, because they incorporate 2D... Um, animation as well as like CGI into it which was something that had was very starting to get very popular around that time it had been done heavily by Futurama at the time as well um, and actually did consult with Futurama on how they could incorporate into Invaded Zim and got tips and pointers and everything like that off them and then the trades of Futurama actually um, gave them the green light well, no, that's actually gave them like commendations on what they actually did to manage doing once they did impl- implement it onto their own show and praise them for it. Yeah, and obviously the other link there is the fact that Billy West was originally going to be the voice of Zim. Nearly. Dib. No, it was Zim, but originally it was going to be Mark Hamill. Originally it was going to be Mark Hamill, and then the Billy Billy West was the Yeah, so yeah, it, Hamill then... got cut even before they started filming. I reckon he could have done all right. I actually reckon he could have done. Mark Hamill's a very versatile voice actor. Like, he does... You hear him as doing Joker in 1990s Batman. And in in the Dark Knight game. And the Arkham games as well. Yep. And he does a fantastic job. And then you watch regular show and hear him do the voice of Skips. Yeah. Completely different. He's very versatile. Uh, But yeah, no, Billy West did... Was actually the voice of him in the very first pilot episode. And then Vasquez decided to get rid of him. And got a bloke called Richard Horvitz. Or Horvitz? Richard Stephen Horvitz. Because Billy West was obviously probably pretty in high demand at the moment. Was already doing the lead roles for well, lead roles for three main characters on Futurama as well. So he had, his, he had a fairly full plate. And yeah, and Vasquez didn't want the same actor doing the lead for two sci-fi comedies. Which makes sense. Well, it makes sense. He's very particular about his shit, old Vasquez. Which is good. It's a good way to be if you're going to be, you know, making something that's going to be out in the, you know, in the sort of public eye. You want to be very particular about the mm. way it goes out. One thing that I thought was very interesting that you brought up was the the bloody Gurr controversy. Mm. So bloody Gurr is like an image of Gurr covered in blood that Vasquez wanted to put in the show, but Nickelodeon were, pulled the plug on. They were like, yeah, no, we don't want that in there. Yeah, no. no Which is it's children. Realistically, if you had a, if you had been keen for compromise, you probably could have gone with changing the blood to green and making it slime because I don't know if you remember back in the day, Nickelodeon was all about sliming people. They were too, they yeah. You look on there, like, on like you get slime thrown at the TV screen. Yeah, like, all that sort of shit. So yeah, like, true. Probably could have compromised on, but Vasquez was like, no, fuck that shit. So I don't know if that's exactly how he said it, but it's probably what he was thinking. Uh, and it ended up slipping the image of Bloody Gurr into like intros and, and things like that. Is that right? Yeah, well, it wasn't even him. It was the, the director as well as the illustrator of the show uh, that starts put it into the episode Bad, Bad Rubber Piggy, which I think you mentioned earlier yeah. with the Rubber Piggy. Uh, put it into like, it's just a single frame, which it has been confirmed that it was done in that episode by the director, Steve Russell, as well as the supervisor at the time, Jason Stiff. Um, and then after the cancellation, they kind of just got a, a little bit happy with it and just started scattering it in, in stills throughout the throughout episodes. We mm. actually slowed an episode down and went through frame by frame one of the intros for the... Was it the Mortis de Soul Stiller? Yeah. Yeah, so right in the intro, if you slide down, you do, you have to go like, slide down, you literally yeah. need to go frame, frame by frame, frame, and you can faintly see it. If, if you know, like, if you didn't actually know that's what you were looking for, you probably wouldn't see You'd it. You'd never see it. Yeah. But it's very, it's a very, it's a cool image. Like, it's a, it's a really mm. 
cool. Like, I, like, I would happily have it as like a tattoo or on a t-shirt. Yeah, or exactly. Something I think. Like yeah, that. I think we say like when you give say to people like when I said when it's I read like covered in blood, I was like, oh shit, like it must have been pretty bad. But no, like it's not even that bad. Like it really looks like you just jumped out of a red paint can. Honestly, yeah. I wanted to see if I could put it up on the Insta page as part of the yeah. episode upload if it's not going to cause us any issues. I don't think so. I can do it, yeah. yeah we'll put it up, there. yeah. Cause we'll put it up, put up the the actual image. So then if you do want to slow down mm. and go frame by frame, you can know what to look for. Uh, but yeah, um, controversially, obviously, uh, it was actually cited as being the reason why Nickelodeon cancelled the show. Um, however, Nickelodeon didn't even find out about the image until the show had already been cancelled. So that the fact that that's the reason it got cancelled was absolute bullshit. Absolutely, they didn't know it was there. Yeah, Vasco's basically said they didn't even seem too bothered by it as well because it is so faint and you do have to like really slow down and do frame by frame to actually find the image. They, they, they weren't too concerned about it and, and no like one's a, ever done anything to remove it. And it's not like a solid still. Like, it's not like a flash and you sort of have the actual image. Mm, which is what like, I thought it was going to be. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, which is what I was looking out for, but it's just like a faint overlay of an image. Yeah, within the image that's already it's there. It's a picture within a picture. The magic yeah. eye thing. But yeah, definitely an amazing TV series. Very influential, uh, shaped a lot of different cartoons, in, like, especially from, you know, from the early 2000s, but even up until today, like, you know, it's shaped the things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Adventure Time. Read the show, uh, Gravity Falls, Stephen Universe, and I guess the big one, which really paved the way for, for what we can see on television these days. The great Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. That they, they really is created as been paving the way for, I guess, to get away with a lot more that can be done within animation. I guess, I, I think in a way though, like I don't, I mean, this is just me talking, it actually, I guess, showed that cartoons weren't just for kids anymore. Yeah, 100%. Like, as as a fully grown, I guess you'd say man-child, I do love still watching like some old cartoons, even cartoons that were essentially, were, I guess, were, were for kids. Mm. But even in as Invader Zim, I can watch it as an adult and, be, and appreciate it and, and enjoy watching it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and... You say no, when you look at it, like you watch a lot of Disney movies and stuff like that, there's a lot of stuff happening that you don't pick up on as a child that you rewatch as a kid, as an adult, and you're like, oh, I get that joke now. Yeah, that was put in there specifically for the adults. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, cool. They're the ones that have to drag these little bastards to the yeah. cinema to watch. And I don't think, shit. I don't say it's been any different as those subtle jokes that they put in. No, not yeah. at all. Interestingly, while we're talking about, well, it's not really Disney, but while we're talking about, like, animated movies, did you know that, and again, tying into the original voice cast and everything like that, that Chris Farley was actually slated to be the original voice for Shrek? Yeah, right. But, obviously, due to his untimely death, uh, he was replaced by Mike Myers. But there's actually, you can look it up on YouTube, there's actually, uh, like, hand-drawn scenes where they've, like, sort of, almost, like, flick-booked them, and with his voiceover he's actually doing the reading from from the scenes yeah okay so, like a, so they actually recorded it a little bit before he died yeah okay it's very interesting as well that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about no, nothing to do but you know a little interesting fact yeah and the other sad thing is that Vasquez actually tried to get Nickelodeon to sell off the Invader Zim to another network knowing that it was probably going to be cancelled before it was um, trying to get it moved on to another network that he could I guess do more adult type content on with it um, like they had done previously with Ren and Stimpy but yeah, they they did not like that idea, um, and said so just push it around until we all got cancelled. Which is pretty shit. But hopefully, I mean, there's always hope now that with this, you know, end of the floppers, maybe we'll see some more invaders in the future. Look, hopefully, I mean, Nickelodeon what gave the rights Nickelodeon to uh, to Netflix, sorry, to be able to produce it. So I can't see why they wouldn't 
potentially do that. And Netflix have definitely got the money to to meet Vasquez's budget. They do, and Invaders in Bipop, if people will watch it, it has oh. a massive following. I mean, shit, there was a InvaderCon created just for Invaders Zoom after it was cancelled. There's been three of them as times have gone on in America, um, where even Vasquez himself turned up to one of them. Um, had, and they managed to get most of the cast, and they did like readings and stuff of um, unaired episodes, which never fully got created and stuff, which is pretty amazing. Like, it has a massive following. Yeah, it certainly does. They'd be crazy not to capitalise on it. Oh, they would be. Yeah, it was a shame because there were meant to be 20 episodes in the second season and we only got six. That's shit. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. it ties into Police Squad. Both <laughs> with only six. No, oh, well, we only got 26 for Invaders in, but yeah. Yeah. Which was hard because I remember um, reading that apparently they then had to make the difficult choice once they knew that it was going, that it was cancelled, which episodes that they'd already started production on that they would actually finish. Yeah. To put, to actually then have fully aired. So apparently that's why I didn't like. I remember watching Into the Floor Piss and I was like, what the fuck is this mini moose? Apparently there was like meant to be way more episodes in were introduced in the second season. Right. That would have explained, explained more what, what it was. Yeah, about why and what mini moose was doing there. There you go. Did not know that. Mm. So I was like, what the hell? And yeah, apparently, and apparently that was what they were deciding like between what they had to do. Were they going to do the mini moose episode or the Christmas one that they ended up doing and they went with the Christmas episode? Just probably in hindsight, they should have gone with the... Uh Minimus. Oh, well, I mean, you couldn't know that End of the Floorpus was going to get made. Well, that's true. He's like, and Minimus, Hindsight is a wonderful thing. It, it is. And, and Minimus does appear in the comics as well. So that, there's a time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's safe to say that all three options that we were, all, all three things that we've drawn out of the uh, hats this week have been, or that or last last episode, I guess, have been excellent choices. They have been. Uh, it's been an excellent episode. Yeah, no, it was a good as, mix. It was a good mix. As far as the, the choices that we've had. Uh, but I guess it's come to that time where we. We do the draw again. We do need to draw. So, what are we going to take? Let me have a look. So, go for the... Oh, whatever that one is. The video game hat. And we're going to be doing Burnout. Burnout, Burnout franchise. Burnout franchise, which is which is pretty awesome. It I is. It's a great franchise. Uh, mm, then, yeah. I had a lot of fun playing the Burnout games. And then the movie will be... Die Hard. My man. My man. Brucey babe. You're a, you're a one true love as far as acting goes. Uh, look, I have a lot of respect for Bruce. He's a bit of an icon, got to say. Always said, me mates, when we die and we go to heaven, he'll be chilling with Bruce. Chilling with Bruce. And uh, obviously, me being a bald fella does help my uh, rap a little bit as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as far as TV, we're going, we're going around the twist. Have you ever? Have you ever ever felt like this? And strange things happen. You like going around the twist. Going around the twist, which is excellent uh, for those of you that are not within Australia. Do yourself a favour, again, as our great Molly Meldrum would say, and check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix in most countries. Oh, I don't know. I might actually be on Stan. No, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, it was definitely on Australian Netflix, Netflix for a while, and I'm pretty sure it's in the US one. But Otherwise, yeah. get yourself a copy of uh, books by Paul Jennings. Yeah. Read through the which, books at least, which, which, uh, great, which we'll touch on obviously in the episode as well. Yeah. Read through the books as well, uh, but that's that's uh, a good good uh, trio for us to to look at, and be, it'll be a good uh, good episode, I reckon. That's it. So don't so. forget to likes on the faces, the grams, twitters, tweets. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, all of those at Cult of Popularity. If you want to communicate with us on Twitter, as always, it's Cult O Popularity because we're a little bit Irish here. And yeah, always check out our website 
cultofpopularity.com. She's uh, you can listen to episodes. You can you give there's links to the gram. There's links to podcast platforms. There's all kinds of things on there. Uh, check it out. But at the end of the day, as always, this has been the Cult of Popularity podcast. Cop that. <laughs>